just imagine. The mightiest heroes of our time. Superman. Welcome to a special JLU cast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, covering the animated adventures of the Justice League and their eventual evolution into Justice League Unlimited. I'm one of your hosts, Cindy Franklin. And I'm Chris Franklin. And last time in our Christmas episode, Cindy and I discussed Comfort and Joy, an episode from later in Season 2. But, as we mentioned in that episode, before we jump into Season 2 coverage proper, we thought we'd talk a bit about the episodes that lead up is the season two premiere Twilight, which featured the return of two villains from Superman the Animated Series, Brainiac, and most important for our purposes, Darkseid. Yeah, so let's discuss the origins of the DCAU Superman's feud with his most hated foe, and no, it's not Lex Luthor, the Lord of Apocalypse himself, Darkseid. But of course, we have to discuss the comic history a bit, so let's get on into it. Yeah. Darkseid actually debuted in a Superman book. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number 134, December 1970. Ooh, it's older than you. Yeah, and you. <laughs> Ooh, that was unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, in case y'all didn't know, when Jack Kirby left Marvel and came to DC, he basically asked, you know, he wanted to start, like, three titles or whatever, and he, and I think Carmine Infantino said, well, you gotta take over... Uh, another title and he said well what's your least your worst selling like mainstream superhero title and he said Jimmy Olsen he said well I'll take that because you know and Kirby probably thought well I'll have access to Superman Mm -hmm. and he did so I mean Superman is even more so than in the Jimmy Olsen comics before he's more integral to the the Jack Kirby Jimmy Olsen comics so gotcha okay yeah Superman and Darkseid didn't interact much across the Kirby titles or even in the JLA-JSA New Gods crossover in JLA number 183 through 185 in 1980. Yeah, I, I looked back through that. I was kind of looking through my comics. I've got the I've got the Jack Kirby omnibus with all the fourth world, the fourth world omnibus. The one that you're like, oh my Yeah, gosh. The, the instant hernia, you know, that you get with that book. And I looked through all that and like Superman and Darkseid... As far unless I missed a page, don't interact, and they never interact in that crossover we just talked about, which is really weird. And that crossover, I had part one and never had part two and three for like decades, hmm. and I finally got them, and they're reprinted in the uh, the I think it's Crisis on Multiple Earths volume. I think it's volume five that those are in. That's where that's actually the storyline where Dick Dillon started it, passed away. While he was working on part mm-hmm. two, and then George Perez came finished in and up. finished up the next two parts and then became the regular Justice League guy for a while. Of course, Darkseid and crew ended up being the main villains of the Superpowers collection, both the the toy line and the animated mm-hmm. series, which Super Friends transitioned into. Uh, the toy tie-ins, including the comics and the cartoon, really cemented the rivalry between Superman and Darkseid. Darkseid seemed to target his hatred towards Superman more Simply because he was represented as the leader of the Justice League or the Super Friends or the Super Powers team. Uh-huh. You know, on the Super Friends cartoon, he was the guy. So, um, you know, he had the hots for Wonder Woman and he hated Superman, basically. It's so weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. John Byrne took the opportunity to beef up Superman's rogues gallery by setting some of his earliest Superman comics on Apocalypse during the Legends crossover event, which he also drew. Marv Wolfman and Jerry Ordway also contributed to this story. Elements of the three-part Dark Side story that ran across Superman, number three, Adventures of Superman, number 426, and Action Comics, number 586, influenced the Superman the Animated Series season finale we'll talk about in a, in a little bit. Byrne revisited the fourth world a few times, including Action 600 and the infamous Superman and Barda make a porno story in Action 592 and 593. You ever read that? No. <laughs> I don't think I want to. <laughs> Michael Bailey's pulling his hair out right now because I've said that, but I'm sorry. You can go back and read it. It's, they at least made a softcore movie. I'm just saying. I'm not saying there was the deed was done, but yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> Do you have that book? Yeah, I have those books. Yeah, they were they were under the control of Burns Creation Sleaze, who was an apocalyptic little. Oh, what? How aptly named? Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. At one point, Darkseid shows up in the the Freeze house and is sitting on Mr. Miracle couch and shows him the tape, basically. Oh, my god. You got to read it to believe. I cannot believe they think got published in 1986. Oh, Jerry Springer. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> Other uh. elements of Kirby's... Kirby's Olsen work, like The Guardian, The Newsboys, and Project Cadmus, became increasingly important during Byrne's era and the Mike Carlin-led Super Team era that followed. But Darkseid stopped making frequent appearances in the Superman titles, probably because of the Fourth World-dedicated series like Cosmic Odyssey with Superman and a New God series. When we first started talking about doing Superman, one of the problems we early on realized was that uh, Superman's rogue gallery is, isn't quite as colorful as for instance, Batman's on, on Batman, when we did the Batman show, you know, Batman has like the best rogues gallery of any hero in comics. And when we started saying, okay, yeah, which which Superman villains are we going to use? We quickly ran out. Once you get past Brainiac and, you know, maybe Metallo and the Parasite. And Mr. Mix's Pitalik, my own personal favorite. Yes, yes Paul. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, Sorry. Uh, once you get past you those guys, suddenly uh, all the other guys are, um, they're like, you know, 50-year-old chubby guys in, in business suits. So um, on one hand, we had to go back in and, uh, you know, reimagine some of the characters like Toy Man. And uh, and then we remembered that uh, Kirby, Jack Kirby, had um, done a lot with Superman and uh, the, the fourth world characters, the Dark Side and the New Genesis and the, the New Gods and all those guys. And so uh, Glenn and I especially are really huge Jack Kirby fans, and I know Paul is as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we quickly decided that we were going to, you know, use them in the Superman show. So jumping into Superman, the animated series, Bruce Tim and company said that they basically felt like that Superman's rogues gallery, it's not Batman's rogues gallery. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people bring that up. You know, Superman, you got Luthor, you got Brainiac, you got Bizarro, but... You, know, Pitlick. you got Pitlick, but he's also a comedy character, and Bizarro can be portrayed as a comedy character mm -hmm. as well. Um, then you got the prankster and the toy man right. and characters like that. And so not necessarily big physical challenges for Superman in a cartoon that's supposed to be action-oriented. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they use that connection between Superman and Darkseid from more from the Kirby comics from Jimmy Olsen, but you know, also it was already in the zeitgeist because of superpowers. Mm -hmm. So they made good use of them. And uh, over the course of several episodes through the various seasons of the show, they slowly introduced the elements of the fourth world and showed how Superman and all of the world basically reacted to the existence of these characters. So we're going to get into that and go over these episodes. Uh, you know, not in depth like we normally do, but, you know, the, as we go along, we'll point out some things about it. So let's jump into it. Tools of the Trade premiered February 1st, 1997, written by Mark Evanier, who was once a protege of Jack Kirby, and directed by Kurt Jeta. Darkseid debuts in this episode, as played by Michael Ironside, who portrays him throughout Superman the Animated Series and Justice League. Mm -hmm. And I knew Michael Ironside mostly. I don't know if when did Starship Troopers come out? I think it came out after this aired because we were in college. Yeah, but maybe it did come out before. I can't. I, I should have looked that up. No, I'm pretty sure we saw it at the Moorhead Theater. Yeah, I know we were in college, but I don't mm -hmm. know exactly what year it came mm, out. True, true. Because true. Uh, that's before I saw Michael Ironside and other things, but that's where as the sergeant or mm -hmm. whatever it was. I, that's who I, what I always think, and then. Michael Ironside played Darkseid, and he also played the Dark Knight Returns Batman mm -hmm. in the new Batman Adventures episode, Legends of the Dark Knight, and went on to play Sam Lane, Lois's dad, on Smallville. Mm -hmm. So Lots of cred there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was the tail end of Superman Animated Series Season 1. Recurring character Special Crimes Unit member Inspector Dan Turpin, who was visually based on Jack Kirby, makes it personal and helps Superman defeat Kanto, Darkseid's agent sent to set intergang leader Bruno Mannheim up for nefarious purposes on Earth. Dan Turpin was voiced by Joseph Bologna. Superman was voiced by Tim Daly on Superman Animated Series. Kanto by Michael York, who you might remember from Logan's Run or the Austin Powers series of films. Right. Uh, and Bruno Mannheim was voiced by Bruce Weitz. Mannheim follows Kanto through his boom tube back to Apocalypse and learns his organization's benefactor is an alien warlord. Where in 
God's name, are we? That depends. Which God are you talking about? Listen, buddy. I'm through with these games. I want some answers. You're gonna tell me who you work for? Welcome to Apocalypse, Mr. Manheim. Who are you? Your new lord and master. You may call me Darkseid. Yeah, I mean, it's this really cool scene. You know, he, he follows Kanto through the through the boom tube, and then all of a sudden he's basically in hell. I yeah. mean, he's in this fiery, on this fiery planet, and then we meet Darkseid. And it's kind of funny because even Bruce Tim in the commentary track mentions that Darkseid, they had his voice pitched and kind of modified, you know, through electronic manipulation in these early episodes, and then later on they drop it, so... Father's Day premiered October 3rd, 1997, written by Evan Ear and Steve Gerber, who's a famous comic book writer, and directed by Dan Ribba. Goaded by a manipulative Dasaad, Calabac travels to Earth to defeat Superman in battle and earn the respect of his disapproving father, Darkseid. After a long battle that endangers the life of Superman's father, Jonathan Kent, the Man of Steel defeats the brutish villain. Darkseid arrives and is none too pleased at Calabac for disobeying his direct orders and losing in battle. He blasts his own son with his Omega Beams and seemingly kills him. Superman demands to know who Darkseid is, but the Despot just unleashes his Omega effect on the Man of Steel, leaving him writhing in pain. Sire, I know I disobeyed you, but I thought if I could destroy Superman... And did you? I underestimated his strength. But he won't catch me off guard again. That much, at least, is true. Please, Father! You beg louder than that when I'm done with you. What have you done to him? I asked you a question. Who are you? Answer me! These episodes we had Desaad, voiced by Robert Morse on Superman the Animated Series, Calabac, voiced by Michael Dorn, yes, Lieutenant Worf from mm-hmm. The Next Generation, and he voiced Calabac throughout, right. including on, on Justice League. And uh, of course, we had the return of Jonathan Kent, voiced by Mike Farrell and Shelley Favaris, uh, playing Martha Kent on that episode. And of course, Lois was involved in this, and she was played by Dana Delaney as well. Dana Delaney. That's right. Every and, time I hear her name, and, I can't uh, help Maney, totally, totally insane. Dana Delaney. You got to do your eyebrows up when he does it. <laughs> when Yakko goes, Dana Delaney. Bring <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh. Christopher. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's, there, there it is, folks. It's been a while. Apocalypse Now, Parts 1 and 2, premiered February 7th and 14th, 1998, based on a story by Bruce Timm and written by Rich Fogel, directed by Dan Ribba. Inner Gang, Ups or Game, injuring SCU leader Maggie Sawyer, voiced by Joanna Cassidy, and making things even more personal for Dan Turpin. Orion, voiced by Steve Sandor, arrives to give Superman aid and warns him of Darkseid's impending arrival. His mother box tells Superman, Turpin, and Professor Hamilton voiced by Victor Brandt, the story of New Genesis and its evil sister planet, Apocalypse. He also reveals that he was one half of the path between the two planets, the son of Darkseid raised by Highfather. It was a good thing you showed up, Orion. It was too easy. Oh, yeah. A real walk in the park. Don't mock me. Darkseid will consider this a minor setback, if that. I know how he thinks. Oh? Yes. I'm his son. I was the infant Darkseid gave up to pray for his uneasy truce. I'm sorry. I had no idea. It doesn't matter. Right now, I must return to New Genesis and report Darkseid's latest aggressions. 
You may use this to contact me when you need further help. And you will need it. He leaves a special device to call when needed. Mannheim is duped into setting off a nuclear reactor designed to create fire pits like Apocalypse. Yeah, uh, just real quick, some notes on the actors there. Uh, Steve Sandor actually came up recently on uh, Film and Water because he was in the, the movie uh, Bonnie's Kids. And uh, before that, most people know him. He was the beefy thrall that Kirk had to fight on the Gamers of Triskillian episode of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. So he was the big, handsome, wavy-haired dude. So you watched Bonnie's Kids, apparently. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, that other movie that Trek's, Rob... Oh you would have liked Bonnie, Bonnie's Kids more than Trek Stop Women. I mean... Bonnie's Kids is, is, Bonnie's Kids is an actual legitimate film. <laughs> we picked the wrong one to watch for you. <laughs> Trite. Awful. Ugh. <laughs> blame, blame Rob and Max on that one. Both of you. No, man. <laughs> ah. In part two, Superman tries to call Orion for help. But the nuclear pulse has disabled his signal device. He heads out to stop the chain reaction from creating fire pits, but is assaulted by the arriving Steppenwolf, voiced by Corey Burton, who also voices Brainiac, and his hordes of parademons. While Superman stops the chain reaction, Turpin and his men defend Metropolis from the attack. Thanks, Inspector. Get back! What do you think you're doing? This ain't no stunt show. Yeah, I'm with the planet. I'm their photographer. Not a fact. Well, get ready to shoot. Hey, you overgrown parakeets. Take a snort of this. and his boys are holding their own. Maybe even more than that. Darkseid appears, and as Satan did to Jesus, tempts him on the mountainside. Superman, of course, refuses to work with Darkseid, but Darkseid pledges, if he won't be his knight, he will be his pawn. Remember that, folks. Very important. Yes. You're a magnificent opponent, Superman. But even you must realize it's hopeless. Darkseid... I could easily destroy you now, and once you're gone, the pathetic beings of this planet won't have the will to resist me. If you survive, that is. However, if you join me as my loyal vassal, I could guarantee a modicum of restraint. Think of it, Superman. The power you have now, it's nothing compared with what I'm offering you. You know I can't do that. Pity. Still, if you won't be my knight, you will be my pawn. The evil god makes a big entrance in downtown Metropolis atop a giant aircraft carrier-sized tank. Crucified before the astonished onlookers is a defeated Superman. Darkseid declares himself ruler of Earth, but Turpin leads the people against the despot. He helps free Superman, who makes quick work of Calabac. Just as Darkseid is about to begin a full-blown assault, Orion and the forces of New Genesis arrive and declare Earth under the protection of Highfather. That's one for the home team. Let's finish it. Very well. This world dies now. Father has decreed this planet is under his protection. Any further aggression will breach the peace treaty and be considered an act of war against New Genesis itself. The decision is yours, Darkseid. 
It is good to see you after all these years, my son. I've observed your boldness and ferocity for some time, not without undue pride. Though you're misguided in your loyalty, I won't quibble over this insignificant speck in the universe. I would hate to spoil our reunion with bloodshed. Your turn. Darkseid is forced to retreat. Go on, you mangy buzzards, and don't come back. Savor your moment of triumph, Superman. But remember, victory has its price. he goes, he unleashes his Omega Beams on a defiant Dan Turpin, killing him instantly. Murderer! An enraged Superman destroys the giant tank the left behind. Yeah, that boy, that episode is a hell of a gut punch. It is. I mean, you just, you never expect... A- character just die on camera in a in, in a, a cartoon in a cartoon aimed yes. primarily at kids i mean i remember being shocked i mean like <gasps> i'm mean, both it, of us i mean we yeah. were sitting there watching and i'm like did that just happen yeah <laughs> and, i mean and then they have his funeral yeah which bruce tim actually based partially on jack kirby's funeral which he went to right and uh and you can't really see him but they they tried to sneak like, I guess they technically are still there, but in the background, there's characters like Alex Ross mm. and his dad, and, and actually Roz Kirby's there, and and some of the Marvel characters were at one time supposed to be in there, and like Captain America and Tony Stark, and Reed, all the Fantastic Four, basically. Right. Um, and, uh, but at the end, there's this dedication to Jack Kirby, because he had just passed away just, I think, the year before. Yeah, fairly recently. Fairly yeah. recently. And I, I can't help it every time. I get teary every yeah. time it comes up because it says, long live the king. And I know that's sappy as hell, but I get, I get teary uh, uh, every time it happens. But, but uh, I mean, yeah, it was just, I mean, that's the moment when I, I, I think in some ways some fans were kind of taking Superman the Animated Series for granted. They didn't feel like, they felt like it was lighter than Batman, just because the color palette yeah, and the, yeah. the daytime atmosphere, mm-hmm. and it was meant to be different. But this was a wake up call to a lot of people. It's like, no, there, there's some serious stuff going on mm-hmm. here. You know, I mean, there's some lighthearted episodes, but then there are some stakes here. Mm-hmm. And this is this is when this is when the DCAU really threw down the gauntlet to show that occasionally there's going to be some stuff that goes down in these episodes. It's really going to leave right. you gobsmacked. And before we got the Justice League, they'd follow up like in uh, the Return of the Joker, Batman Beyond movie. I mean, whoa, <laughs> there's some yeah. stuff in that one that'll just like I can't believe they did that. You yeah. know, the Tim Drake thing and the Joker, and you know, it's like wow, you know. So, yeah, the Fourth World Saga continued in Little Girl Lost parts one and two. They premiered on May. Second, 1998, written by Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer, Paul Dini and Alan Burnett, and directed by Kurt Jeta. These episodes quickly introduce Supergirl, voiced by Nicole Tom, who here is the lone survivor of Krypton's sister planet, Argos. Superman rescues her from her damaged hypersleep in space and brings her to Earth. He leaves her with his adopted parents, but Kara longs for excitement and visits her cousin in the big city. Unable to attack Earth directly, Darkseid has sent Granny Goodness, voiced by Ed Asner, Yes, I said that right, Ed Asner, to the planet to build a giant magnet to attract an oncoming comet, sure to destroy the pesky planet. Supergirl uncovers Granny's scheme and with the help of Jimmy Olsen, voiced by David Kaufman, begins to bring her operation down. I don't believe it. A super girl? Believe it. Ah! Ah, You naughty little monkey. Granny will spank you Take a nap, Grandma. Oh, 
outstanding. When Superman comes to help, he's abducted by Granny and her female Furies and taken to Apocalypse. There, he's tortured and brought before Darkseid, but Supergirl arrives to help him escape. The two make it back to Earth just in time to stop the comet from destroying their adopted planet. I honestly do think the animated guys using Supergirl the way they did, I think that really kind of made DC wake up and say, you know what, Supergirl should go back to being Superman's cousin. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they went through all the different Matrix and all this and that, and you know, and then... And then she got the angel powers and all that. So, and they weren't bad comics by any means. No. But it's just try to explain Supergirl. Her backstory. And you're like, huh? She's Superman's cousin. And even, yes, they apparently they were not allowed to say she was from Krypton. That was from DC. DC's like, no, we really want Superman to be the lone, sol- survivor. The lone survivor of Krypton. And they're like, okay. So they came up with Argos, which actually I can't remember... There was Superman versus Aliens came out around this same time, the comic miniseries. And they also introduced Akira, who was from uh, a planet similar to Krypton, if I remember. I remember yeah. Superman, you know, finding this Kara on a ship that was full of xenomorphs and all that, you know. I haven't read it in a long time. It's really good. And uh, I think Dan Jurgens wrote that. But on the movie, she was from Argos, which was Krypton's satellite. You know. Right, right, but this is like Argo is like actually, yeah, but but they were they were straight up Kryptonians living there. Okay, and in the comics originally it was like a part of Krypton that actually like got jettisoned off the planet, but survived because they had like a dome and atmosphere of their own and everything, and so they were able to survive out in space. So that's kind of what's that's what's going on in the movie and mm. in the super and, and I, I can't remember what the deal is on the TV show, but. But they they hinted that Argos on the animated series may be a colony of Krypton. Mm. Like thousands of years ago, they colonized there. But they couldn't come out and say she was his familial, like Jor-El and her dad are brothers, like right. they had in a comic book. They couldn't say that. But over time, they just basically just started saying, it's his cousin. Yeah. Because when she shows up on Justice League, she's his cousin. And they never really bother okay. saying she's from the other planet again. So, you know, which makes total sense. Yeah. So they got around it eventually. Okay. <laughs> Legacy Parts 1 and 2 premiered February 5th and 12th, 2000. Written by Paul Dini and Rich Fogel and directed by Dan Ribba. The series finale finds that Superman has been missing for a month, leaving Supergirl and an army of uncooperative Superman robots to try and make it look like Metropolis is safe. Meanwhile, the real Man of Steel is under the thrall of Darkseid, conquering worlds in his name, under an armored helmet. He is plagued by dreams of people he shouldn't know, like the Kents, Jimmy, and especially Lois Lane. Granny Goodness reinforces her mental control over him, telling him that his rocket came from Krypton to Apocalypse, and here Darkseid raised him as his own. You were born on a dying world called Krypton. To save your tender young life, your parents launched you into space. Kind fate brought you here to Apocalypse. Where benevolent, wise Darkseid found you. He adopted you and raised you as his own. He nurtured your powers and taught you of his great mission to bring order to a lawless universe. And now he wants you to have your own world to tame and rule. Earth. Darkseid offers his protege a planet of his own to rule, Earth. He gives him a flag with a familiar S-shield and sends an army to the unsuspecting planet. The populace quickly learns their attacker is their former savior. And U.S. Army General Hardcastle, voiced by Charles Napier, enacts a long-simmering countermeasure, Project Achilles, to bring the invader down with the help and funding of one Lex Luthor, voiced by Clancy Brown. Supergirl tries to stop her brainwashed cousin, but it's only Lois who manages to reach him. A kryptonite missile nearly kills the superpower duo as part one comes to a close. Superman, stop! You'll kill her! You? Yeah, it's me, Lois. 
Lois. You've always tried to help and protect, not destroy. What's happened to you? I... I don't know. Fire! Lois, get down! Direct hit! No way he could have survived that. in a secret military installation, Superman and Supergirl are about to be put to death by a lethal dose of kryptonite and dissected. Using her father's military credentials, Lois breaks Superman out just in time, and the two rescue Supergirl, but not before she is shot while still weak from the facility's red solar lights. Superman takes her to Star Labs where a leery Professor Hamilton refuses to help her until Superman gets a bit threatening. Much of this storyline will become very important during Justice League Unlimited. Superman vows to settle matters with Darkseid once and for all and boom tubes to Apocalypse. Yeah, def definitely. This, I mean, these scenes right here are very, very important mm -hmm. to the overall storyline of Justice League. Yes. I mean, the arc, the Cadmus arc in particular, mm -hmm. and uh, which we will, of course, get to as time goes on on our show. Mm -hmm. So, after straight up killing Parademons, yeah, he just roasts them, folks. Taking out Granny, her Furies, and Calabac, Superman finally makes it to Darkseid. You used me. I told you once, Superman. If you would not be my knight, you would be my pawn. I see you're a man of your word. I am many things, Kal-El. You couldn't begin to imagine half of them. But for now, I shall take the role of executioner. A final gift, my wayward son. A fast death, infinitely preferable to the shame of returning to Earth. There your legacy would be one of fear and distrust. A pariah desperately chasing the favor of a world that cursed your name. slugfest ensues, with the despot seemingly victorious. As he prepares to blast his foe with his Omega effect, Superman swiftly places his hands over his eyes. The resulting explosion disfigures Darkseid and knocks him unconscious. That's for Dan Turpin. Who? The good man you murdered. Had I known one human's death would pain you so, I would have killed more. Gilmore, I shall carry that agony with you to oblivion, Superman. An enraged Superman flings his body from the palace into the streets below, declaring Apocalypse to be free. But its people come to aid their master. And Superman learns that Darkseid is many things, and on Apocalypse, he's a god. Superman returns to Earth, only to find that a good portion of the planet no longer trusts him, and in fact fears and hates him. Lois tells him he'll have to earn their trust back one person at a time, as the two finally share their first kiss. In the wake of this week's dramatic developments, we asked the people of Metropolis how they felt about the Man of Steel. If you ask me, the bum ought to go back where he came from. I used to consider him my friend, but now... Superman saved the world dozens of times. We owe him a second chance. No one man should have that much power. He's a traitor and a menace. I'm locking my bedroom door at night. Don't listen to them. No. They're right. I did lose control. And it scares me. If I can't trust myself, how can I win back the trust of an entire planet?
one person at a time. Yeah, it's about time. Oh. <laughs> and this is the this is the series finale. Yeah, I mean, this is how they ended it. Now they knew they were going to go do Justice League, right? And actually, you know, I've heard that they Bruce Tim actually said in the commentary track for Legacy, they originally were going to have that happen at the beginning of this this season, mm-hmm. and they just they ended up. It was such a strong ending. Like, now we got to end with that because they were going to have him like earn their trust back over the course of this season. Right. But they decided against it. So they literally leave the season on a down note, which is kind of funny because everybody, almost everybody loves the Tim verse stuff and I love it. But I mean, this. Well, you is, know, I do. Oh, I know you do. But this, I mean, honestly, the world not trusting Superman. And I mean, this is kind of. This is going into like Snyder territory. You know, this yeah. is. This is the angle he came at to begin with. Right, uh, you know, which is which is which is interesting because they actually said that they, Tim and company, kind of wanted. I mean, not to that extreme, but they kind of wanted some people to kind of question Superman when he first showed up. But mm-hmm. Jeanette Kahn, who was still the publisher of DC at the time, um, yeah. said, "No, everybody loves Superman." But, oh, Jeanette, if only you were still around. Uh, but, but, yeah. But like I said, you know. But, I mean, they kind of earned this storyline because they had, you know, they, I mean, it makes sense why people would mm-hmm. mistrust Superman. And, you know, I had a thought while we were going over this. You could retcon Superman's weakness in season one of Justice League as a psychological reaction to being used by Darkseid and turning his full power against the Earth because maybe a part of him felt he shouldn't use his full potential because look what it got him. True. And, True. Oh, I like that. And when he I was like that. when he was zapped by electricity or whatever, when we were all like, "Oh, that shouldn't hurt Superman," maybe he gave into it because he felt he deserved to be punished. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. We just retconned Superman's weak ass from season one. That's yeah. what we just did. <laughs> no, you did. You did. I just think it's a really good idea. That's all you do. <laughs> And at the beginning of Justice League, the world is a little less sure of Superman. They don't play up it a whole lot mm-hmm. because they're busy emphasizing the other characters. But in the first, you know, you know, Superman says, like, I've worked hard to earn your trust when he's basically doing the quest for peace bit at the mm-hmm. beginning of Secret Origins. So, so yeah, they, they, you know. But on Justice League, things are about to get a whole lot better. So that's all we're going to say for that. Yes. That'll take us through our history of Superman versus Darkseid in the animated universe. Now we're all set up for the season premiere, Twilight. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have your listener feedback from the last two episodes. My name is Bob Fisher. And I'm the host of the Superman Forever Radio Podcast. On the Superman Forever Radio Podcast, I talk about Superman from 1938 to present day. And in 2018, we celebrate the 80th anniversary of the Man of Steel's first appearance in Action Comics with a full year of new episodes, more episodes, plus new features like The Adventures of Superman When He Was a Boy. Superboy is coming to the Superman Forever radio podcast. Also, the Superman Forever Roundtable Discussion Group, where I gather together some of the best Superman podcasters around, and we talk Superman. So if you want to know why I've been a Superman fan for over 60 years, point your favorite podcatcher to the Superman Forever radio podcast at supermanforever.com. Podcast Network is a collection of super friends plus Shag. So what could be more appropriate than a podcast about the super friends? It's for all mankind, a super friends podcast, a read-through show about the classic DC comic book series covering all 47 issues of the original run plus a few surprises. Hosted by me, Rob Kelly, and a rotating group of my super friends. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. It all looks good to me. Okay, we're back and we're going to Go over some feedback that was left on firewaterpodcast.com. And uh, thanks to everybody who liked and shared these episodes. 
Uh, but we're just going to, today we're just going to cover the feedback from mm-hmm. the actual website. Uh, and we're going to start out with the uh, JLU cast season one rap party episode we did that was basically an overview of season one after we finished it. Okay, Rob writes in, don't apologize for trying to butter me up, Chris. In my opinion, not enough members of the network make such an effort. <laughs> well, we'll, yeah, we'll continue to wax your car. Although Cindy just, you know, gave you crap for truck stop women, so. Oh, is that? You owe me money, dude. Well, it's actually my fault for watching it, you know, I guess. It's not really Rob's fault. He didn't hold a gun in my head to so go watch this, but I should have let, like, again, Bonnie's kids, we should have watched, but I'll probably never get you to watch it now, so. <sighs> no, right? She's shaking her head at me. Okay. Cisco would write in to say, I can't wait for Superman not to be a pushover. Well, the wait's almost over. Mm-hmm. We're almost there. Yeah. Tim Price says, in addition to rewatching Justice League, your show gave me a good kick in the pants to finally watch all of Superman, the animated series. That's been fun, but it's interesting how even in that series, there was a tendency to not be so super. The ultimate electricity is evil villainous live wire wouldn't have stood a chance against soups in the comics, in my opinion. The other power couple of the series didn't get as much development in season one as I'd remembered, Batman and Diana. Looking forward to more of that relationship, but at least the early hints were nice. Great wrap-up, Franklin's. Yeah, that's true. Livewire, I mean, yeah. She definitely seems to have the upper hand with Superman when she, honestly, in the comics, really wouldn't. So. Oh, she would have been squashed like a bug. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, this Superman's just a little more susceptible to electricity for whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it just is, yeah. Lizanne Oswald wrote in, Cool podcast. Pretty cool way to wrap up y'all's coverage of JLA Season 1. Can't wait to see season two, as well as y'all's coverage of whatever movies for Halloween y'all pick. Well, of course, that was our House of Franklin Stein series, so did I mention I have a YouTube page? You did now. That's Liz Ann Oswald on YouTube. So there you go. Nice plug. <laughs> Warhill Terry writes in to say, that was a nice wrap-up. I particularly like that the favorite episodes were the ones that were more comic booky, The ones with the extra heroes and the veiled references to other heroes and characters. In short, the episodes that embrace DC's rich legacy. Oh, yeah, that's always going to be the favorite. I mean, that's one reason why, you know, I'm making such a big deal out of the... I mean, Twilight really is awesome, but it was fun to go through and look at all the dark side stuff and the New God stuff and the Jack Kirby stuff, of course. So, Uh, Episode 13 was Comfort and Joy we did last month. Uh, That was our Christmas episode, of course. Mm -hmm. And Rob writes in to say... Haven't finished the episode yet, but man, that recap was a thing of beauty in both conception and execution. That was our, was the night before Christmas. Oh yeah, thing. Chris wrote it and I read it. So. Yeah, you read it, just took off with it. I'm like, you go girl, because you used your, you know, uh, youth li- uh, children's services librarian skills on that one. What, <laughs> just, <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, Gothos Mansion writes in to say, Merry Christmas, Franklin. Thanks for the show. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Martin Luther King Day, which is coming up. Yeah, as we record this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and if you didn't know, Shelley Faberis and Mike Farrow are married in real life. That is not part of my MASH knowledge, of which I have none, but my Elvis knowledge. Miss Faberis co-starred with Elvis in three films. She also had a hit song, Johnny Angel. I had no idea that she sung Johnny Angel, and no. I had no idea that her and Mike Farrell were married. I don't know no. how I did. I knew I didn't know that. I know. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't know. I that know because you know all the trivia. I know. I, I like did, falling down on the job. I know. You? I did not know that. That I mean, that's that. That's Andrea Romano again. That perfect casting. You know, cast yeah. a real couple as Mom and Pa Kent. Yeah, that's one reason why they work so well. So, and apparently they've been married forever. So, like yeah. you and me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Doug Vandiver wrote in to say, Ultra Humanite. Sheesh, that guy. I like him. Yeah, we know. The show doesn't explain <laughs> his deal at all, does it? We comics people know about the Golden Age villain that his brain was transplanted in a mutated ape, but the show doesn't want to address that except maybe they do? About the aluminum Christmas tree. I had one just like it when I was... And he stops himself. He could have just finished a sentence, a child or little. On the other hand, maybe he was going to say a boy or a girl. But... Can't pin down which it is due to the brain swaps. That's from the comics. Ultra got to the point of no longer remembering his original human body. Hey, comic connection for you, I guess. There you go. Wonderful voice work on Ultra Humanite. That mid-Atlantic accent does a great job of evoking 1930s, 1940s movies. When he was speaking, was Cindy making yummy sounds? (laughs) you'll never know. (laughs) Chuck Coletta writes in to say, Merry Christmas, Franklins, and thanks for another year of entertaining programs. As someone who's mostly Scrooge at this point, it's nice to hear folks truly filled with a Christmas spirit. Bravo. 
Chris, you give Frank Welker a run for his money. Oh, thank you. I'm, I am the no Frank Welker by any means, but I appreciate it. And Merry Christmas belated to you, of course, Chuck. And you are not a Scrooge. You bring way too much knowledge and joy. And when you teach your kids all this great pop culture stuff, you, you know, you're, you are no way a Scrooge. You're spreading way too much joy. So. Clinton Robinson says, Santa exists. You're darn right, Cindy. I refuse to believe otherwise. Well, yeah. Well, that's right. And then Namiko the Yukonori, Zoom's wife wrote in to say, fun show, you two. Reminds me of one of Zoom's favorite Christmas stories, which there's a link there, and you guys should check that out. You should definitely check out, just check out Zoom's blog. Of course, folks who've listened to the network know we lost Zoom at the end of the year, uh, and we're all still very, very sad, and we miss our friend very much. Uh, but we've done and tried to we've tried to do our best to celebrate Zoom, and I mean he's still got shows in the in the queue to come out. Mm-hmm. One came out just last week, and uh, you know so it it's one of those cases where you know I, honestly, and I, I mean, I'm getting off topic here. When that show came up, I'm like, am I gonna be able to listen to this? You know, <laughs> and uh, but it was good. It was good because I just Zoom was such a clever guy that it's like. Of course, Zoom would figure out how to still be talking to us beyond the veil, you know, right. because it's Zoom, you know. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense that he would do that. So, you know, yeah, we miss you, buddy. But we got more we're more Zoom coming, and and uh, I definitely everybody check out his blog, check out everything Zoom did because everything he did, he did great. So. Tim Price says this episode is so good I could list everything I love, but I don't have to since the Frankens already did. I'll just say three things. Fantastic poem and reading. You mean Santa wrapped those gifts. And he said he didn't bring a gift. I'm not crying. You're crying. Don't look at me. But I hadn't thought of rewatching the episode until this podcast showed up on my feed. And I remember that I haven't watched the whole thing with my daughters. I've shared a couple of clips from YouTube. They both like cartoons as much as me, but they're not into superheroes as much, which is fine. They're also good sports and watch the occasional show now and then. So they give it a try and I just give them a bullet backstory on some of the characters like Hot Girl as we went. And they loved it. Laughed and awed in all the right places. We had such a good time. So thank you for the reminder. And I watched it a second time myself the next night because I enjoyed it so much. Looking forward to more JLU cast. Happy holidays, CNC. That's really nice that we, yes. that we you know, made a little, we, we kind of helped engineer a little family moment a little yeah. family bonding at christmas time well that's something we always watch that episode at christmas i yeah. mean you know we watch that one and we watch the two batman the animated series episodes mm-hmm. every christmas yeah yep. we make sure we do yeah liz and oswalt writes in impressive podcast most impressive this sounds like a cool episode sorry i missed it sounds like it was funny flash and ultra make a good team weird Hot girl. Yeah, I'm not shocked. She's basically Thor's little sister, so no surprise. Green Lantern, that is impressive character development. Soups and John visiting the Kents is cool. Yeah, that episode's just great. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. it. Even if it wasn't a holiday episode, it's just such a nice day in the life slice of, you know, slice right. of life episode. Those are always fun. And it, it's just, it's just, it's just great. I love that one. So, well, I think that'll do it for this episode. I was a little bit shorter than usual, but we're getting ready to jump right into season two proper. So, right. we, you know, before we go, I want to give a special thanks to our Patreon supporters for information on how you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Visit patreon.com slash fwpodcast. Next time, finally, the season two opener, Twilight, and it's sure to be a very special episode. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> See you there. Bye. Bye. JLU Cast is a Franklin and Franklin production in association with Bugaloo Enterprises worldwide and is a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The characters and properties mentioned in this show are copyright their respective holders. Likewise, all audio clips are copyright their holders and no infringement is implied. So please don't sue mommy and daddy. Emails can be sent to supermatespodcast at gmail.com. Comments can be left at firewaterpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook by searching for JLUcast and FW Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter by using the hashtag FWPodcast. Please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Thank you for listening to JLUcast.
Superman. Just a brave one. 